and welcome back to Vampires Never Get Old, a podcast about vampires in literature. I am your host, Zoraida Cordova. And I am Natalie C. Parker. And today we are joined by Kayla Whaley, one of our contributors in Vampires Never Get Old, the anthology. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, first of all, hello, and thank you guys for having me. Um, I've been really excited about this, so I'm I'm pretty pumped. Um, So yeah, my name's Kayla. I, gosh, what do I even say about myself? I should have prepped this. You guys told me I needed to do this and I didn't prep. (laughs) Um, I am a short story writer slash essayist um, from Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta. I've been in several anthologies at this point. Um, I've published quite a few essays. um, And yeah, most of my work is usually focused on disability, sexuality, the body, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm kind of all over the place in terms of like genre. Um, but the thematic core is usually pretty, pretty similar. But yeah, we are so thrilled to have you as one of our anthology contributors. And we are so excited to talk to you today. Um, because you picked a book that I read a long time ago and was really excited to to reread. Robin McKinley is one of my favorite authors. Um, and so you picked Sunshine, which was her vampire novel that she published in. This was published in 2003. So it was just right oh, wow. before oh, Twilight. Oh, earlier, yeah. Earlier um, than I thought. Pre-Twilight years. Um and uh, for those of you who have never read Sunshine, um, it is the story of a young woman who is a baker by trade, um, and she <laughs> sort of she the world itself is already touched by vampires. And I think we'll discuss this a little bit, but it's very cool. It's a vampire world. Everybody knows that they exist, and so they take certain precautions around um, when you go out and when you don't. And she ends up. Um, going out at a time when she thinks she should be safe, but it turns out that she's not and gets kidnapped by a group of vampires who sort of dress her up as an offering for another vampire, which she is surprised to find out is also a prisoner. Um, and the, the prisoner of an even bigger, badder vampire named Bo. Um, so it is actually the story of her coming to a strange kind of friendship and alliance with this ancient vampire named Constantine. Um, so I don't want to give too much away before we dig into our conversation, but Kayla, why Sunshine? Um, yeah, I actually read this book a little bit later than it was published. I think I read it in like 2012-ish, 2010, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also hadn't read it for a while when you asked what I wanted to talk about. And I was immediately like, Sunshine, this is my all-time favorite vampire book, like bar none. One of my favorite books of all time, actually. Um, And part of the reason why is just, I don't know, I guess it came into my life at a good time. Like it was just very fortuitous timing. Um, But a friend gave it to me in college and I was a reader, but I wasn't a writer yet. Um, And this was one of the books that sort of pushed me in that direction of becoming a writer. Um, It's just such a comforting book, I find. 
which is really interesting to me because it's really dark. (laughs) It is quite dark. So I I really want to, I would like for you to unpack that a little bit for us. Why is it comforting and and at the same time, something that inspired you to become a writer? Yeah. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Side note that uh, one, when Natalie said it's a vampire world, I immediately started singing it as the Barbie girl sound (laughs) musical notes. A vampire girl. Um, and two, the audiobook to this book, To Sunshine, is so peppy that the tone of it is so jarring. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, that sounds awful. I didn't read, I didn't hear it as peppy because I did do the I audiobook it, for this. I thought it was re-read. very bright. Um, unless it's one of those issues, in, instances where there's like two different audiobooks because of rights. That could you know be because I mean? because the the narrator that I heard um, was actually had kind of a like a gritty voice actually. Oh, did we hear totally different audiobooks? That's interesting. Oh, oh my god. Well, anyway, I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, I said you go ahead, Zoraida. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that was it. It was. Really, oh, that's your whole point. Me, Never mind. Really Stop talking, Zoraida. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, welcome to our anthology. Welcome. <laughs> podcast we're extremely polished and professional um that's so great though now I feel comfortable oh good now now I'm not intimidated (laughs) we've made fools of ourselves so um so that you will shine even brighter it's my turn now um that's hilarious though I've never listened to the audiobook so I can't comment on that part but I can imagine that would be super jarring to hear because it is like it is a very dark book it is a very violent book um it doesn't, not only does it not shy away from that, like the blood and the the meat literally sometimes of like, like the flesh of it, of vampirism and what this world is. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I think the reason I find it comforting is mostly Sunshine's voice. Like, and obviously McKinley, the way she wrote it. Um, it's so wandering. Like she is very much a narrator who goes off on tangents and thinks about things that are happening in the present in relation to her life. And like, it almost reads like an essay sometimes, which sounds weird to say, but like, maybe it's just because I have a background in nonfiction now, but that I (laughs) didn't have at the time, actually. You know, when you say that, that makes perfect sense because on this, on this reread for me, I was sort of struck by how meandering the, Mm -hmm. the telling of it actually is. And, um, and yet still there are these threads of tension. So she can meander off in this direction and give you all of this history of this world and, um, exactly how deeply transformed it is and yet mm-hmm. still recognizable to us. Yeah. Um, and she can go off in another direction and give you a deep history of like all the wards and stuff. I mean, the, just the way the magic is, it's like, you know, you would think about world building, but mm-hmm. this, I kept thinking, this isn't world building so much as just world weaving. I mean, this yes. is a tapestry is what mm-hmm. we're experiencing here. Yeah. Um, but thinking of it as essays is really interesting to me because it does feel like when when Sunshine goes off on on one of her tangents, she's she's giving us right. It's like a piece of history. This was mm-hmm. this was the the Voodoo Wars, which I have you know I, I, this is my first time reading it, so I was like, you shouldn't call it that. I know <laughs> um, there are those. But, but, you know, but it's you know it's 2003. Um, 
and 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 so she, here here are these wars that happened. Here's the politics of this world. Here's my here's my dissertation of how we live. And also, I'm just a baker. Um, yeah. and my life is great. Or it's like my life is fine. I'm content with my life. I have a boyfriend. Uh, mm-hmm. and there were and I was just sort of struck with like her understanding of vampires and uh sexuality um Mm -hmm. because she was like i'm happy with my regular human vampire boyfriend with my regular boyfriend as opposed to having a vampire boyfriend because the last thing i would want is a hard-on that is permanent (laughs) and i was like friends (laughs) um that that just took me i was like oh my god okay we're going there uh so a lot of this was just um a lot a lot of a lot of this book was very jarring to me in especially coming from the other vampire books that feel a little bit less violent and and more tame Mm, yeah I can see that um I do want to talk about that actually because not necessarily that particular tidbit but just like the sexuality stuff in general but also before I talk about that I think yeah Natalie was saying what I was trying to get at about the world weaving and how she does pull in these strands of history and of like politics and of the bureaucracy that runs this world and the systems that are in place. But like, she also talks just as much about her family history, Mm -hmm. about like her little like half brothers or, and like they're in their preteens and teenage years and they're doing like ridiculous stuff that teenage boys do. And she's like talking about all of this stuff while she's in this room, this huge ballroom with this, predator both of them chained to the wall and she's like bleeding on him and she's thinking about her little half brothers like doing just normal everyday stuff and I don't know I think that that's what gives me the feel of essay of like pulling in the personal and it fits even though it shouldn't like it doesn't yeah I think it's because it this book is sunshine like she is this book like that is that is hands down without sunshine not just like without the character, but without her voice, this book doesn't work. Like it doesn't function at all. Um, and she's just so present. And I think that's really drew me in as well Is like, I felt like in good hands, I guess, like carried well through this story. I um, absolutely agree. It is yeah. such an immersive experience. That's the right word. Yes. Being with exactly. sunshine. Like mm-hmm. she just, and she really, I, the seamlessness of how you are introduced to this world was was so shocking to me. And, and you know, I think I probably read it in 2003 or 2004 because mm-hmm. anytime a McKinley book comes out, it's, you know, in my hands twice over. This um, is the only one I've ever read of hers. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I recommend know. them all. <laughs> but Natalie was- yelled at me when I said that. Uh, I, really? did. I didn't yell at you. I don't know you as well, um, but give me That's five fair. minutes and I'll yell That's at you fine. for not That's having fine. read any other Robin. <laughs> I was scared because I love this one so much that I was like, what if the others aren't as, don't live up to it? And so I just the never. The others are very different, but we can, we can discuss this okay, when sorry. we are not supposed to be on, on topic, but the, <laughs> the, never um, stay on topic. The way that she very slowly builds your awareness of Sunshine's awareness of what this world is, like from Mm -hmm. the very opening line where you're, you are just gradually introduced to this idea of a world where vampires, where there was a war, Mm -hmm. where vampires exist, 
where certain cities are are more intact than others, um, where ward magic is a way of life, um, how those wards function, where the the politics get involved, where the money, who has the money gets involved. It's just so beautifully built around you um, as you slowly come into an awareness of like, oh no, she's, she actually means there's a special, like these police are here for the vampires. These, these are the vampire police. These are the human police. Like we have systems in place for this. Um, Mm And the way that, you know, cities have adapted in these different ways and all the way down to the, how her family functions. Uh, is What's funny about that too, though, is that like, yes, this, the, the amount of information that we get about this world is vast, but the scope never feels very big. Yes. Like the scope is so local, like it's hyper local. Like most of this book takes place, the first like 60 pages or whatever are in that ballroom mm-hmm. where they're chained up. And then most of the rest of the book is in the bakery. Like, yeah. it's so, so tight of a focus. Like, we don't really see outside this town. We get we get told of a larger threat. We get told that, like, things might get bad again soon in the world. But, like, Sunshine can't really be bothered to care. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like that's not my fight. You know, I'm I'm gonna bake this like death by chocolate, and I'm gonna be good. Like that's that's all I need. Um, so I think that that was a really interesting, not only narrative choice, but it provided some tension for me as a reader. Like knowing there's this other stuff happening, but like not really focusing on it felt really really good. Like I'm so used to books, particularly supernatural books, being life or death, like end of the world stakes. This was life or death stakes, but not end of the world stakes it was like end of her world stakes and I thought that was really interesting and it is I mean this this is not a young adult novel so it does um give room for some things that we don't necessarily allow room for in in young adult um but I think the way sunshine steps into this whole tableau of vampires that we saw in in the 90s and then in the early 2000s and especially with this being pre-twilight this is a this is a woman who comes into the clutches of a of a extremely powerful vampire and she knows that they're dangerous and she never loses her awareness of their danger yes um so uh, i mean it's it's a little bit tiresome sometimes to compare everything to twilight but (laughs) but i think it's it's valuable because it is such a pervasive cultural touchstone in terms of Mm -hmm. vampires so you know bella has to be introduced to the idea of the vampire she has to sort of uncover that on her own um, and I think that that is done beautifully well in in Twilight. Yeah. Um, Sunshine is uncovering something else. Un- Sunshine has to uncover her own past yeah. to figure out how and why she fits into this, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess, epic conflict that mm-hmm. <laughs> that unfurls after they get out of this house. Um, and I and I just oh, gosh, there I'm such a fan <laughs> Of this whole story, um, oh. but especially because she she never romanticizes the vampire ever, no. ever. And yet there is this thread of romantic tension that I know as soon as she and Constantine formed that very tentative alliance. And even, I guess, as soon as he says, 
remind me you're a rational being. Yes, a rational being. And it's just like oh, I get chills thinking of that line, honestly. Like <laughs> so good. Their relationship is so so powerful. Um, it is, and so sexy. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I actually like I said I read this in college, but okay. So when I was in college, I was the most sheltered little person you can imagine and when I got to the scene where she like falls down onto him Mm -hmm. naked naked like and just baby Kayla couldn't handle it like it was it was a shock to my whole system I was like what am I reading is this allowed I'm not old enough for this it's very um it's very well depicted it's well depicted it's just like Because honestly, like, and when I was reading it this time, I paid special attention because I am, you know, 10 years older now and it's not as as shocking a thing. But like, so I paid attention to the the writing of it, like how she does that, because almost nothing happens right in like five pages. Like she lands on him and that's about it. Like for several pages, there's just, it's just like, but it's the most tense thing I've ever read almost. Like it's (laughs) until she... She turns her head at one point and licks his shoulder and then everything just like explodes. But it's just, it takes so long to build up to that. Anyways, I think that one scene is a really nice encapsulation of how that whole relationship functions in the book of just constant tension, 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 tension with no release at the end. Like there's never any, they don't get a release, you know, they don't get like, they get closure or not closure, but like, what do I want to say? They come to a happy stasis. Like they come to a point at the end of the book, not to give anything away, but like it's, it's an old book comparatively. So I guess people should deal, but um, yes, you can, you can tell spoilers. I I usually put in the show notes, beware spoilers may abound if you have not. Okay, cool. Um, So like at the end, they, they have an established relationship now. Like they've gone through this trial together. They've made it out the other side. And now they're sort of like, going to see where that takes them but as a reader there's like it's not a romance like it's not that's not what this book is and it's barely even a friendship honestly like it's a, right and i think it's that's a weird it relationship. Really, it's it's really this journey of self-discovery for sunshine yeah, absolutely um, which starts that moment that she recalls her childhood mm-hmm. with her grandmother and then tries to touch her own magic, which ends up yeah. being the, you know, massive game changer and the thing that kicks off the entire plot. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the tension between the two of them is just this constant awareness of the imbalance of power. Yeah. Um, especially on his part where he's just like, you know, <laughs> I'm way, way more powerful than you are. Um, yep. Human child. Uh, but there is an awareness that maybe she can come to meet him as an equal. And Mm -hmm. so as she's like relearn or learning for the first time, how to be a blaze quite literally um, (laughs) and figuring out what sunshine means and like, and piecing together this mystery of her past and, and her present. It's yeah, it's really beautifully told. And so that they can get to this place of, of maybe having a friendship in the future. Yeah. And like just seeing, yeah. I think that part of why also I love this book so much is because now that you asked me earlier, why comforting? And I've been thinking about it as we've been talking, like, why did I say that? That's a weird word to choose. I think part (laughs) of it is the mundanity 
like in a lot of ways this is a very mundane book like she sunshine on purpose i would argue as like a coping mechanism for like trauma and everything and just living in this extremely traumatic world yes focuses like that's she is tunnel vision into her bakery into her day-to-day like i get up at 4 a.m i make cinnamon rolls like that is what i do and that is all that i do and i don't know i just find that really (sighs) reassuring i guess in Mm -hmm. reading this book where everything is everything starts out awful like (laughs) like we start the book in a terrible traumatic situation and it doesn't get better but like she's just this focused center that like holds me in place through it with her Mm -hmm. i don't know i i don't know if that makes any sense outside my brain whatsoever oh it absolutely does because she starts off from a place of knowing who she loves Mm -hmm. and knowing how she fits into that love of her family is around her she doesn't have great aspirations um, in a lot of ways, I, I really, now that you're talking about it, it makes me feel like when I think of this book, I think of the bakery. Yeah. I think of being surrounded by warmth and light and people. And community. And she, yes. And that community really knits itself around her more completely throughout the book. Yeah. Um, and even as our understanding of who is in that community grows. Yeah. Um, I really, really love the SFO agents oh my gosh, who yes. like adopt her <laughs> and yes. keep coming in to demolish her cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, and, and then how she starts to understand that the world that she knows so much about um, is actually a little bit bigger than even she thought. Yeah. And much more complicated. Like, and I think it would have been really easy for this book to have like a message, not a message, but you know what I mean? Like have a thematic core of like things aren't always good or bad or like, you know, there's a gray area, but it doesn't settle for that. Like it's not that easy either. Like it's not as easy as black and white and it's not as easy as gray. Like it's, things are weird. Things are, things are fucked up. And also like, good luck understanding any of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can try. I think that's one of my favorite things about vampires in general is the exploration of that that spectrum of mm-hmm. uh, being. We we were just talking about Buffy and 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 souls and nice. what it means to be like ensouled, uh, earning your soul, and and how vampirism changes you. That's one of the things that comes up on on all of our episodes um, mm-hmm. in discussion with. Uh, with all of our authors because you're all grappling with this idea of how do I take uh, this being that is immortal and uh, for all intents and purposes, pretending to be human, but and interacting with humans and how do we navigate this morality spectrum specifically because we're all writing for teenagers yeah, and, and kids um no matter who's who's nobody no matter who's actually picking up the books the intended audience is teens Mm -hmm. and so i think about that a lot when when we're when when talking about vampires uh in general Mm -hmm. absolutely um i think that that's one of the things i like too about this is like it asks slightly different questions because constantine doesn't ever pretend to be human like that's not even an issue like that's not (laughs) that's impossible like when they're trying because they need him to be camouflaged to not like 
get discovered wandering through town and they cover him in mud to make him mm-hmm. look passable <laughs> as like as a human know, as because, a human <laughs> because he's he's monstrous like he's, he's so monstrous ugly mm-hmm. so the vampires can't actually pass in this or they not can't at all look. i mean he he and sunshine end up in that moment with the um do they call her the queen of hell is that what yeah something like that i can't remember exactly what her name is the Uh, bureaucratic yeah from hell yeah yeah but um and it's only because of sunshine's proximity and Mm -hmm. and magic that he's even able to hold it together for as long as he does and that and it's not well either (laughs) it's not well so there's a good tension here of vampires not having the ability to pass it's a really it's a really stark comparison especially to twilight where they use their beauty to lure victims it's not at all the case these vampires are much more i mean they use their brute strength but they also have incredible um luring capacity so if you make eye contact with a vampire you're you're essentially done for um but you're you're probably going to try to avoid that eye contact because yeah you can you can see well sunshine tells us several times you never see them coming <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> because they're yep. so inhuman and so fast mm-hmm. um which i think is really cool about sunshine that we actually have an example um and maybe that's why the romanticization isn't quite there even though we have this very tense sexy thread between mm-hmm. of power between sunshine and constantine but um there are not very many examples out there where the vampires are not somehow statuesque and beautiful, yeah. but this mm-hmm. is one of them. I don't tend to read books with worlds with multiple kinds of monsters in them. I don't know why. Like I just tend to not gravitate towards that. Like I, if I want to read a vampire book, I want to read a vampire book. If I want to read a werewolf book, I want to read a werewolf book. Sure. But this one has like everything, everything, like, every kind of supernatural being is in this book. And I love sort of the exploration of how that fits together because like although this is one area I kind of wish she'd pressed a little harder on and I think it's because we didn't have like space but she gets into a little bit of like I mean the vampires are are the ultimate other like they are the most like discriminated against beings on the planet and like arguably for good reason but sometimes like maybe not I don't know so like that's a mm-hmm. thing um and like the bureaucracy and how that plays into like the status quo and like sort of self-perpetuating system, mm-hmm. um, which I really love on the second read, but I do kind of wish. I agree it, with you. It had pushed a little harder on it. Like, yeah, I agree I with you because she does sort of talk about which ones can pass and which ones can't. Yeah. And what that means for them and how mm-hmm. they, they end up, you know, sometimes they gravitate toward one another and then there's the, the SFO, um, yeah. the officers who are sort of mixed and how they end up being a network of protection for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even she would be in a little bit of danger yeah. if it was discovered exactly who she is, um, what she can do. And and I guess she would have to register basically and carry a license. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't know. It felt like, on the second read, like on this most recent read, it uh, I couldn't tell, I guess, if the metaphors I was seeing were intentional, I guess, like always. Some of them are obvious, but 
some of them, I don't know. Like I did kind of wish we had had a little more, maybe like a little more real world. Like I guess how, when you have, I'm going to use disability because that's what I'm most familiar with. When you have a metaphor for disability, it feels hollow to me if you don't also have disabled characters, you know what I mean? Like, like having the metaphorical and the literal, I kind of would have liked to see that a little more, if that makes any sense. Yeah, right. that, that does make sense to me. Because when I think about Sunshine, it feels like a pretty whitewashed novel. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, it fits into all of the categories that that we are very familiar with of mm-hmm. cisgendered and heteronormative. And um, yeah, and and I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not even sure I can think of any non-white characters that were on the page. I think so, one of the... SOF guys maybe is maybe. mentioned as not being white, but I don't remember. Like that's how quickly it was mentioned if it was mentioned at all. Right. I don't know. So for sure, if there is a metaphor and you still only have, you know, the standard um, centered narrative yeah. uh, is the only one on the page, then then I see what you say, what you're saying about needing a little bit more there. Like it wasn't a problem. It just was something I noticed on the second read of mm-hmm. like, oh, now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. And now that I know more what I'm reading and what I'm talking about, this is the thing I noticed. Um, I yeah. actually think that's a really good way to segue into talking about your story in particular, because oh, okay. um, in, in the anthology, your story is called In Kind, and mm-hmm. you are specifically addressing a lack in in vampire fiction, probably in all fiction, but we're going to talk about vampire fiction. So tell us a little bit about your story. In Kind is about a girl named Grace whose father attempts to murder her because she is disabled, essentially. Um, she uses a wheelchair. She has a progressive neuromuscular disease. And he believes that he has succeeded, that he has killed her. But really, she was turned into a vampire before she actually died. Um, so then she has to figure out what to do about it. Like, is she going to take revenge? How is that going to look if she does, etc.? You did such an amazing job at unpacking Grace's feelings, her turmoil, the morality of it. What is she going to do? Um, and tackling the the sort of uh, trope slash stereotype that people normally do of um, a magical cure uh, and and reclaiming it for yourself by not falling into the the stereotype um, and the expected. Um, so I think that all of these, you know, you, your authorial, authorial cho- choices are uh, wonderful. And it's such a great addition to Vampires Never Get Old. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad. I, I think it, I mean, this is one of the hardest pieces I've ever written, for sure. Um, there was just a lot to balance. Because, like, I mean, this is an answer or a response to a lack of disabled characters, like Natalie said, in vampire fiction and in fiction generally. But it's also very explicitly about caregiver murders. Like, that is a thing that happens regularly um, in the real world, often without consequences. And I don't know, I felt like I, I, it was something I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't figure out how. And I think doing it through vampires was really helpful because it, you know, the fantastic gives us a way in sometimes to those to those stories that are too maybe difficult for us personally to write about, um, to get too close to um, in a way that lets us access them, I think, which I hope that's what mine is going to offer readers as well, that they can access that, those stories and those emotions without 
endangering themselves, I guess. Mm -hmm. You also do such a really lovely job of um, examining public perception of Mm -hmm. these kinds of murders, the caregiver murders. um, You have, you even introduced the entire story through a newspaper clipping, I Mm -hmm. believe is the first opening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get this sort of ever expanding view of how these things are talked about in national media um, Mm -hmm. and how Grace is going to choose to interact with that is also a a key element in this story. So who gets what voices and using the supernatural element to allow Grace um, to have a voice after uh, what otherwise would have been her murder. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it. It packs a powerful punch, and we are so very excited to oh, share this you. story with readers. We, um, this, this, just this entire collection has so many things to offer, and we're we really are hoping that stories like this will encourage readers to think differently about vampires, um, in particular, and just literature and the world, and 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 <laughs> all of the things. So, um, thank you so much for contributing to the anthology. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm I'm glad that I didn't ramble. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but yeah. No, absolutely not. I feel like, you know, this is the whole point of talking, having the, having the, the extension of the anthology in the vampire podcast, because we need this sort of, it's like a salon, um, mm. where this, this is our vampire salon. Where is we our vampire salon? Discuss <laughs> all of these. I should have dressed up. <laughs> our literary salon. But, um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we can't wait for you to read In Kind by Kayla Whaley. Uh, don't forget to review, subscribe, and pre-order Vampires Never Get Old. See you next week.